It is because of the policy of Israel that Gaza has become a place of death and despair. In conclusion, Madam President, many propagators of grave atrocities have protested that they were misunderstood, (coughs) that they did not mean what they said, and that their own words were taken out of context. What state would admit to a genocidal intent? Yet, the distinctive feature of this case has not been the silence as such, but the reiteration and repetition of genocidal speech throughout every sphere of state in Israel. We remind the court of the identity and authority of the genocidal inciters. The Prime Minister, the President, the Minister of Defense, the Minister of National Security, the Minister of Energy and Infrastructure, members of the Knesset, senior army officials, and foot soldiers. Genocidal utterances are therefore not out in the fringes. They are embodied in state policy. The intent to destroy is plainly understood by soldiers on the ground. It is also fully understood by some within the Israeli society, with the government facing criticism for allowing in any aid to Gaza on the basis that it is recanting on its promise to starve Palestinians. Any suggestion that Israeli officials did not mean what they said or were not fully understood by soldiers and civilians alike to mean what they said should be rejected by this court. The evidence of genocidal intent is not only chilling, it is also overwhelming and incontrovertible. I am Brother Cornell West. This is Chris Hedges. I'm Rosa Clemente. Hey, what's up? This is Chuck D, Public Enemy Prophets of Rage. And this is Newsbeat. Hey, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces, here with Newsbeat. Once again, coming to you in a video and audio format. We're putting this on YouTube. So if you're listening to the audio on the feed, go to YouTube. Check us out over there. If you're on YouTube, hello. Uh, Thanks for coming by. Uh, I'm joined as before. We just did a a quick episode that dropped earlier this week uh, about the genocide case against Israel uh, brought by South Africa uh, to the international uh, court, which we'll explain. Or you might have heard the episode. I'm joined once again by Rashed Mian, our managing editor, and Cool Cat, and Christopher Tawarski, our editor in chief, and very cool cat. What's up, gentlemen? What's going, hey, what's going on? Uh, Good according to the screen, he's just Chris. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, I like to change it up. I like to change it up. I, I apologize for doxing you. Uh, your name's <laughs> your name's on the website. So either way, uh, speaking of which, we are at usnewsbeat.com. From there, you can check out all of our past episodes, information about us uh, and other tidbits. But you can also go to our Substack, uh, which is a free Substack. It's at newsbeat.substack.com. And there you can find the episode drops. And with each episode, a you know added bonus information as well as bonus drops like this one. This one's not really a planned episode episode in that we thought about it yesterday and we're doing it today. So we wanted to get into a little bit of a update uh, as uh, we talked about the case, the genocide case against Israel uh, with our previous guest, uh, uh, Professor Boyle. 
uh, who broke down what was going to happen. And now it's happening. We're kind of right in the middle of it. So we wanted to come back and, and update folks, uh, you know, who wanted to get a little bit more insight as to what's exactly happening and how it's going down. So, uh, Chris, give us a, why don't you start us off, sir? Yeah. So Manny, as you said, um, you know, we're trying to stay on, on this subject, on this topic, we consider it, uh, one of the most important, um, events, uh, atrocities that are taking place right now in the world. And back in November, we dropped an episode um, titled 9-11 Redux. Will the Israeli-Hamas conflict lead to a renewed war on terror? And here we are several months in, mm-hmm. um, approaching you know 30,000 dead civilians uh, in Gaza, uh, over 60,000 injured. And it looks like the conflict is spreading. Um, just last night, the U.S. and U.K. bombed uh, Yemen. Uh, the Houthis there had been, I guess, attacking you know uh, naval vessels uh, passing through there. And you know, we started the first episode as a warning. You know, we we compared the rhetoric after 9/11 to the rhetoric we were hearing in the wake of the atrocities of October 7th against Israel. And here we are again, we just felt we needed to get back on the air and shine a little bit more light on this historic, historic uh, hearing that just took place the past two days. South Africa made a case, uh, filed a a case before the International Court of Justice accusing Israel of genocide. And um, Manny, as you mentioned, we had an incredible guest on last week, international human rights attorney, uh, professor of law, Francis Boyle, who believes that South Africa will be successful in getting this order, which could have huge ramifications right. uh, for the conflict. Um, he, uh, just to uh, remind listeners, he is the first person ever to win an affirmative order under the genocide convention. Um, and he did that during the Bosnia, Bosnian war right. in the nineties. Um, and Rochette and I watched the hearing at the Hague, uh, yesterday. And it was just absolutely, I mean, you know, it's hard to find, um, words to fully convey, uh, what, what that encompassed. Um, Rochette, the, fir- the first I, day was, uh, was the South African side based on the prosecution basically, correct? Right. On yes. Thursday. Okay. Yes. Yep. Yes. And, and, and we had previously seen the report. There was like an eighty-something page, uh, you know, prelude to this. But this, this you heard it being ar- basically argued in court. Yeah, I mean, it was. It. it was. Uh, I mean, you know, Rashad, why don't you actually start? If you could take us through uh, the the genocidal acts, I guess, which was a was the first part of the argument that South Africa made. Yeah, definitely, and uh, just. Manny, to some of your questions. So they they argued this before, I think, 15 ICJ judges, and they represent various countries. The 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 lead judge, I, they call him the president, um, is from the United States. Um, and then I think the the vice president is from Russia. So there's just a collection of judges from all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and just another reason I think it's important for us to comment on this is because, again, we didn't really see mainstream media covering it, especially live, which I thought was a little, um, even for them, surprising, given the yeah, enormity. Know, 
read of this. And when I say, remember in the, in the episode, you were uh, suggesting that most people probably haven't heard of this. There yeah. wasn't a lot of mainstream comments. And I had said, this is the first time I'd heard of it. Right. The next day, which would have been like the day before yesterday or something like that, was the second time I heard of it when I when they finally started covering. So, so like we covered it before they did. And you're right. I haven't seen, I had the news on earlier. I was doing some things and I hadn't heard it. And I'm talking about like the CNNs, like sort of like the ones you would think, especially with their, they love to floss their international, yeah. you know, you know, coverage, but go ahead. Yeah. I'm just, and I would argue their international coverage is probably better than their yeah, <laughs> domestic coverage. But not to say though, that they, they do have to get their uh, Gaza coverage uh, um, confirmed by the Israeli government. So yeah, maybe, it was very maybe much about, about that, it, but it was very much about the Houthis and, and, you know, yeah, what they're yeah. going through. So I get that. But at the same time, you know, I'm like, ah, you're freaking, you're leaving out this thing. So please go ahead. Yeah. Just the weight of it. Obviously, you know, another nation, especially Israel's being accused of genocide and for all the other things that they would televise like an empty Trump podium for weeks upon weeks, right. you could show this. And also I say that only because it's just astonishing. I don't know about CNN, but other mainstream international networks that completely ignored live coverage of South Africa's South Africa's case on Thursday actually aired Israel's defense mm. today, which is just astonishing. So separately. So yeah, um, Chris, uh, the genocidal acts. So what South Africa did is they basically followed the blueprint that they set out in the letter to the ICJ calling basically for this quote unquote trial. Um, and what they're looking for is, a uh, is an order, um, to basically stop the bloodshed and to save human life effectively. And, the, the first prosecutor for South Africa went through four quote unquote genocidal acts, right? And the first genocidal act they said committed by Israel was the mass killing of Palestinians. And Chris already gave you some of the, the numbers um, over 20,000 dead. I think Chris was at 23,000 at this point. I'm like, I'm ashamed that I'm starting to lose count. This, mm. That's how bad it's been. Right. Right. Um, and 70%. And this is like, this is continued throughout um, the, the, the war, 70% are believed to be women and children. And there's also an additional 7,000, as Chris mentioned, that injured that are trapped under the rubble. Mm. So just for, uh, just for context from what, what people said um, during this, uh, this case, um, the lead prosecutor said they are killed, speaking of Palestinians, are killed in homes, in places where they seek shelter, in hospitals, in schools, in mosques, in churches, and as they try to find food and water for their families. Um, they've been killed trying to evacuate. Um, a direct quote is Israel has killed an unparalleled, unprecedented number of civilians with the full knowledge of how many civilian lives each bomb will take. I think that's in reference to a report from an Israeli news agency, which they got people on the record and some off the record, Israeli government officials saying, we sort of know like who's in a building, but mm. if we think there's a Ham Hamas fighter in there, and at the same time, if we know there's a child in there, we're still going to attack the building. So regardless of how many people's lives are lost, I think that's probably what they're referencing to. Uh, just another, just like, uh, man, this just like breaks your heart. Another quote was generations of families wiped out with no remaining survivors. This killing is nothing short of destruction of Palestinian life. It is inflicted deliberately. No one is spared, not even newborn babies. This, the argument that they made was very precise I don't think that as we watched three hours of this, I don't think there was like empty words or just fluff. A lot of this had to, was pertaining to the genocide convention, which is what they're arguing. Right. right. Um, These are the like conditions that have to be met to, 
you know, exactly. Kind of, so yeah. the first one I'm talking about was article, I guess, um, <clears throat> article two, uh, two a Chris, right. Uh, that two a two, yeah, two a. So then, then the second one is the genocidal act that they're alleging is Israel's infliction of serious bodily or mental harm, which they're saying is a violation of article two B of the convention, um, which 60,000 Palestinians wounded and maimed again, majority are women and children. And they also mentioned the healthcare systems completely collapsed. Right. Then they go to the third generous genocidal act. And that's on the article two C the forced displacement. And this was interesting. Um, I think in context, we talked about in our intro intro to the recent episode that we did featuring Francis Boyle, that there's a misconception of what genocide is, right? So your first thought of genocide is the Holocaust because of the atrocities, how terrible it was, and just the the enormity and the mass deaths that happened. Genocide doesn't have to be that. And it could also be a slow burn, or it could be also other decisions that you make that inflict considerable harm on a population. So this is what the the prosecutor was arguing, Quote, Israel's first evacuation order on October 13th, that's what, six days after Hamas's attack, required the evacuation of more than one million people, including children, elderly, and the infirm. Entire hospitals were required to evacuate, even newborns in intensive care. The order required them to evacuate the north, from the north to the south, within 24 hours. And this is where the prosecutor says the order itself was genocidal. Mm. So again, I think that stuff is sort of is really important because people don't think about these little these other decisions that they're being made, which Israel's arguing that yeah, we're trying to tell people to move so we could then target Hamas, right? Right? But then, as we know, they then started attacking the south soon after. Right. Um, yeah. Go I, was, I thought I was thought it'd be just weird. Like then Hamas was like, all right, then we're gonna go south. <laughs> you know, they're not gonna yeah, yeah. stick behind and get bombed. Right. And you know. but yeah, again, and that's what. Yeah. Uh, they were arguing and then they continued. So basically, but every part of Gaza was then, was then attacked. Um, And then we have the fourth genocidal act, which is article under two, uh, under article two D, which is the entire military assault on the healthcare system. There we've seen, we saw the first hospital attack where both sides were debating how this hospital exploded. Right. And it was amazing. Like when you think about now, all the coverage dedicated to that. And then just like how things actually got worse, the coverage has sort of declined in a, in a messed up way. Um, they said by December 7th, the UN said that the healthcare infrastructure in Gaza was completely obliterated. Mm-hmm. Um, and also under article 2D, they said the UN warned that the reproductive violence inflicted by Israel on Palestinian women and newborn babies, infants and children's could be qualified as acts of genocide. Um, and they're saying, including, including imposing measures to intend to prevent births within a group. And that's something that Francis Boyle mentioned, right? And he, mm-hmm. he said he believes that uh, Israel, uh, South Africa will get this order. And this is one of the reasons why, because of what's been happening to women, especially pregnant women, um, seeking to give birth, obviously. Um, and that sort of wrapped up just this like first like 45 minutes of this extraordinary hearing. Um, Chris, you're about to get into the genocidal acts, the intent of genocidal acts that, as we've documented in that episode, there's been so many Israeli officials just explicitly saying what they're intending to do and then trying to tell us that it's, they're taken out of context. Um, I think I said, I, my first thought when I was watching this was that we knew as, as we've been watching this, this war unfold, we know it's unprecedented. Dropping 2000 bombs on civilian populations is not something that's done, not even the United States. And we have our complaints with how the war and terror war and terror was prosecuted. Right. Not even the U S would do certain things like that. 
you know, forget drone strikes and other horrific things that happen. But this is just on another scale. To that right? scale, right. Mm-hmm. But then to see it within a few months being articulated in open court under a genocidal allegation was very chilling. And uh, just like watching that moment and just seeing this all unfold, you, you felt like this was like a moment in history that you're going to remember for years and decades from now. Um, and I don't think I'll ever forget it. So, but yeah, anybody who's able to go back and watch if you can, all three hours, whatever, but just even watch this opening segment that lays out the entire case that South Africa has brought to the ICJ. Yeah. Honestly, the first three or four minutes um, spells it out. I mean, in such a way that you said, it's just, uh, it's beyond chilling. Um, you know, and, um, I think it's important. Um, so Rashad, uh, so from the fourth genocidal act, there was a segue into genocidal intent, which was the next, the next, and there was a statement made, uh, by the South African side, uh, genocides are never declared in advance, but this court has the benefit of the past 13 weeks of evidence that shows incontrovertibly a pattern of conduct and related intention that justifies a plausible claim of genocidal acts. Now, I think it's important for listeners to, to remember too, we, in the past two episodes, uh, the last one specifically, uh, Francis Boyle talked about how any nation, a party to the genocide convention is obligated to try to prevent, cease and punish perpetrators of genocide. Um, and that was part of South Africa's uh, main point. I mean, ju- just the fact that this is being broadcast, the fact that they quoted a lot from uh, UN, uh, UN members on the ground there, um, and the genocidal attempt section, I mean, and he pointed it out, I mean, unlike pretty much any other uh, hearing that the court has ever heard, um, they quoted straight from the mouths of, of many Israeli officials. Mm. Um, it was incredible. You know, these were public statements um, where, you know, the prime minister was invoking, I just want to get the name correct here, but uh, the biblical the biblical people of Amalek, you know, and, and declaring to the country that, you know, it was their duty to get rid of Amalek you know, that the Palestinians were Amalek. Um, you know, they showed videos of Israeli soldiers. Uh, for me, this was one of the most, I mean, disturbing, uh, isn't really, uh, doesn't even do it justice, um, of just Israeli soldiers singing and dancing uh, a song about Amalek and about how they're wiping the planet uh, from the seat of Amalek, standing in front of burning towns. Uh, well, you can imagine how many civilians were were in that town when it was uh, completely obliterated, just singing and joyously chanting. And, you know, the, the South African prosecutor brought up how they're simply just repeating what their prime minister said publicly. Right. That's what we're doing. So, so in, in other case, you know, to, to that quote that I read, I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, genocides are never announced, but in this case you have, you know, and they went down the list, you know, from, the military, to the legislature, to the president, again, to the prime minister, all of these officials making these statements. Uh, another statement, you know, 
you talk about uh, you know dehumanizing the entire population, 2.2 million people in Gaza, um, calling them human animals, you know, over and over and over mm-hmm. again, um, you know, and again that 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 bizarre, you know, horrific biblical reference. Um, apparently, you know, in, in some interpretations, Amalek was this entity that could change into into different creatures and things like that. So. Um, you know, they're to his point. I mean, you know, they're from the videos, from the from what we're actually seeing, from their own phrasing. Um, yeah. They're calling for this this level of destruction. Um, yeah, Chris, this is like the part of the movie where if this was a movie, you're like the investigators are looking for a smoking gun and they're about to reveal it to the court, and like you're you're waiting for it. We knew this smoking gun was there, right? But again, it's just chilling to watch this stuff play out in court using government officials' own words and then watching how it flow down to the people who are executing the war. Wasn't there one uh, official uh, defense you know, sec- person who basically said, well, they're all Hamas. So if we kill them, you know, I mean, it's, it's not so many words. Basically, he says, if you are in... Gaza, you basically support Hamas by no innocence. Yeah, you're not innocent. Yeah. Not even children. Right, right, and and which is just I mean, this is because the children statement. voted. They voted for Hamas in 2006. <laughs> right, it's just an absurd statement, and 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 that was an actual. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that was the that was basically what the guy said, and that you know that just like they're not hot. They're saying the quiet part out loud. Yeah, and. and- <laughs> And I, and I, I want to just quote directly yeah. uh, from this part of the hearing, um, you know, what state will admit to a genocidal intent? Yeah. Right. Right. Yet the distinctive feature of this case has not been the silence as such, but the reiteration and repetition of genocidal speech throughout every sphere of, of state of Israel. We remind the court of the identity and authority of the genocidal insiders, the prime minister, the president, the minister of defense, the minister of national security, the minister of energy and infrastructure, members of the Knesset, senior army officials and foot soldiers. Mm. Um, You know, these were not happening on the fringes. They were, uh, quote, embodied in state policy. The intent to destroy is plainly understood by the soldiers. The evidence of genocidal intent is not only chilling, it is also overwhelming and incontrovertible. And that was the end of that section. Well, Chris, and he also says, if the statements are not intended, they would have not have been made. Right. <laughs> like it's yeah, incredible. Like you, know, you know how not to say it. Like, you know how to, to say, no, we're not trying to, we're not trying to kill everybody. And right. then it's, it's easy to, to not say it. And just um, so to paint the picture though, like just so to see what the, because I, what the judges heard, I think is important, especially in the, the order that it was this, that they laid it out in this sort of a, attempt at, a, I guess, a prosecution, right? Mm-hmm. They laid out all these statements, right? They said, if the statements are not intended, they would not have been made. They're, as Chris said, these are not... Amb- and then they said, the genocidal intent behind these statements is not ambiguous to the Israeli soldiers on the ground. And then they went ahead and played that video that Chris mentioned, mm. where they're jumping around singing about... Um, what did they say? Uh, they're dancing and singing. They're wipe off- wiping off the seed of Amalek. Right. Um, and then said, what was it? And said some, something about, about, Oh, uh, they say, we know our slogan. There are no uninvolved civilians. 
These straight from their words from the video recorded in Gaza by Israeli soldiers mentioning Amalek, which Netanyahu mentioned multiple times, mm. and then saying there are no uninvolved civilians, meaning everybody mm. is Hamas and we're going to kill everybody, which plays to that um, the notion of obviously genocide on ten. It's just horrific. Yeah. It's just like just watching the dancing and singing as people are being mutilated on the ground. People are being buried in rubble. Children are having their their skulls bashed in and, and dying. Families are right. generations of families. There was a quote in here about the just generations of families just being completely yeah. annihilated. It's it's yeah. horrific. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I was going to say. Well, no, go ahead, Chris, please. I just kept coming back to this one thing, right? You know, now this is again. This is 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 going to decide whether these atrocities. And I don't think anyone would say these are not atrocities that we're, we're, we're basically just watching every single day. Um, and this is just what we're watching, right? This is just what these what these outlets are are, are playing for us. Um, that there are atrocities taking place. Look, October seventh was a was an atrocity. Absolutely. You know, what's going on now? There's no other description. These are atrocities. Right. You know. And here's the thing I kept coming back to, you know, whether or not the court rules that Israel's actions are, quote, genocide, right? You still have, you know, let's just take one incident, you know, a dead toddler under a pile of rubble that yeah. used to be a home, you know, wh- whether in a refugee camp or, so, or some other town, you know, it's still a dead toddler buried beneath rubble of their home. And Somebody needs to be held accountable for that. Somebody needs to be held accountable. And, and so that's how I was also sort of perceiving and viewing the, these hearings, you know, every, you know, and we've learned a lot in the past, just the past week, Rochelle and I about this stuff. And any, basically every single nation um, has an obligation, right? Because it's, it's something known as uh, international customary law, where sort of, sort of just these like fundamental rights, yeah. human rights, um, are, are, are just sort of a given, you know, that need to be defended. And, you know, just, just a nation like South Africa raising their hand, showing these things, saying, oh, oh my God, look at this. Yeah. This accounts to genocide um, is, is, you know, the blood is on everybody's hands. Um, from what I understand, and, you know, uh, you, you obviously too have been following it way more than me, but uh, from what I think I got from the episode is that Israel could have not appeared, right? They, 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 they chose to kind of answer to this. And, and I think you were saying earlier before we started that you did hear some of their response. What is some ideas of their justification, their response, their defense, as it were? Um, from what I viewed and from what I've read so far, um, I remember, so this happened this morning, our time. So like four o'clock, right? Just because it's happening in the Hague. Um, It's sort of what a lot of people expected, unfortunately, where I I, previously, I said the South Africa case is, you could tell, because it's also very compelling, but it's grounded in the clauses laid out in the genocide convention, which both Israel, uh, Israel and South Africa are party to. That's why it's these two states going at it, right? Countries going at it. Um, South Africa has made it clear that they're going by the legal. They're using legal reasoning, right? Um, Israel, on the other hand, say, this not, is not that they didn't do that, but they mentioned October seventh, right? Right, as the justification, you know, for sure. these for those horrific abuses. Um, 
required a response. Sure. And this is the response, right? Mm -hmm. But they take it another step further, which I think just makes it sound so unreasonable. And I don't know if it's because they're trying to use a legal argument. Like I'm really struggling with this Mm -hmm. or if it's public relations, they're calling, they're effectively calling South Africa Hamas. I know it's a running joke, especially if you're on Twitter and other social media outlets where everything is Hamas, right? So just to to play up on that joke, one of the Israel lawyers, he lost a piece of paper, like one of his sheets. So he had to stop talking and then it was just gone. And so the joke across social media was Hamas took it, right? Just because it's unfortunately, that's what it's come down to. And then it just waters down everything that's happened before. Three months ago, Israel had like a ton of support after the atrocities committed by Hamas. Sure. In three months, we've gone from that, from just like global support. Right. To being accused of genocide. So the arguments were, you know, South Africa is doing the the bidding of Hamas, basically, that they're aligned with them, uh, that the atrocities on October 7th justified this. Um, And in terms of the genocidal intent question that we just discussed, Mm -hmm. um, of course, they said those words were taken out of context. Um, they didn't really have that, that meaning they went ahead and recited quotes, obviously from elected officials talking about humanitarian assistance. I'm sorry, I'm laughing, but like (laughs) it's humanitarian assistance, which South Africa argued is not enough. Right. Right. Because it's just, Mm -hmm. it plainly isn't. Um, and you're not allowing it in, you control Gaza, um, Meanwhile, you're dropping 2,000 pound bombs on people and killing women, majority women and children, right? So that's based, that was sort of like the crux of the defense without getting into every part of their legal argument. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. So I was going to say, so then, Chris, you alluded a little bit earlier, and when the episode with uh, Professor Boyle went into it as well, what this means if they are found by this panel of judges to have indeed committed uh, genocide. Uh, What happens? Like, are we supposed to all like arrest Israel? (laughs) You know, it's a great question too. And I, and I posed, and I, and at the end of our interview, I don't think we use that snippet in what, in what, uh, in what we aired, but um, I asked him again, um, just because, you know, Rashad and I have gone back about this. And again, this whole, the whole Genesis or a lot of the big part of one of the reasons why, uh, when we heard about the International Court of Justice, we wanted to do something about it was because we've been planning to do something on the International Criminal Court um, and it's sort of many, many defects, um, mm. you know, and, um, and it's sort of toothlessness, right? Right. Uh, to some degree, um, you, know, you know, so, you know, and I asked him, I said, you know, so who, who enforces this? Right. You know, let's just say, now in, in his prior case, um, you know, he had the world behind him. You know, right. the, 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 and, and, and the U S right. He, and he, and he, and he paints the, the portrait of walking out of the courtroom, literally to the world media, explaining to them that he just got this order of genocide of genocide currently taking place. Um, and within, I think he said 48 hours or something like that, there was a no fly zone imposed by the U S and allies, you know, um, I told Rashad when I first started learning, but you know, I, I, th- I thought a lot of it was just maybe just public shaming that also would push some of these countries, but the mechanics behind it, uh, my understanding of it, uh, according to uh, what Boyle, my recollection of what Boyle told us is, this would go, this could go before the security council. Now, the US mm-hmm. obviously has veto power. You know, so you have to imagine 
that a country that, you know, um, I mean, we're sending, I think, billions, right, in arms. Um, you have bypassing to, Congress. Bypassing Congress, uh, sending all this, you know, even more weaponry um, to this conflict um, that's killing all these, all these civilians, which is another whole, right. whole thing. But you would imagine that they would want this. And now, you know, the State Department, the U.S. State Department has already called it meritless, you know, South Africa. The, the, this, this case, yeah, this claim, yeah. yeah. So, so if, if it is vetoed, or something, because they have right. to sort of right. defend themselves before they actually have to defend themselves. Let me, let me right. play so, a well, little bit just of, one last, uh, Go ahead. Yeah, well, listen, so if it does get vetoed by the Security Council, my understanding is then it could go uh, before the General Assembly for a vote. Mm-hmm. It would keep escalating. Uh, but also just before you step back in, Manny, um, yeah, yeah. just quickly, what they're looking for is a provisional order which would basically basically means like you, you, you have to now take immediate action to prevent harm being committed against the group that is right. You know, subjugated to the quote unquote genocide. Every all 153 parties to the genocide convention, which just for a a topic we're going to discuss briefly, I'm pretty sure includes Yemen. Ah, interesting. Uh, Okay. So that makes sense. There would be pressure, but there would also be possibly action by all these other members of the country, as it happened in, in Bosnia mm-hmm. uh, way back when. I guess I was going to say it's interesting to play it out that it goes to the United Nations. And you mentioned the United States veto power and, and the fact that, you know, the United States does, did, is, has supported almost, you know, across the board, Israel's onslaught. But just to play, you know, white devil's advocate, uh, we um, we have the you have the administration, you have the Biden administration, you have news from them saying that they have leaned on. And, you know, I'm just saying what I hear. They have leaned on Netanyahu and, and, and Israel to, to fall back a little bit, you know, over the course of this thing. Like once they realized, I think that, you know, that, that you said that support was turning and they were uh, doing the most, as we would say, um, that that Biden was like, hey, there was like one call of a bet, you know, a phone call that they were like barking at each other. And Biden was like, this conversation's over and like slammed down the phone or whatever. That's what I that was reported. To. So I'm wondering to what degree it's that like catch 22 of, yeah, of course we're supporting, of course we're selling, you know, it's very important to support uh, Israel against this, but the fact that they're doing too much and going too far is now working against them politically. Do they know this? Do they care? Do they not realize that we're, that, that people are protesting in a church? You know what I mean? Biden for this, what's, what's going on here? Um, I have come to the, we've argued about this, you know, privately, I've come to the conclusion that this is not an accusation. This is just what I think that this is Joe Biden is fine with this. There's no, to me, there's no other logical explanation for he watching children being mowed down and watching all these atrocities. He's repeated lies that the Israeli government has stated, the, the, um, the beheaded babies, which what? still has not been founded to be a real thing. The right. 40, it, it came out of one new segment and went across the globe like fire. He's yeah. repeated that. Um, even after it was said that it was false, right? Um, he's, they've repeated the fact that, there's a, that there was an operational center under, down, under the, the, the hospital in Gaza, um, which right. again, there's no evidence. Washington Post also refuted that. And then it just so happened two weeks later, the New York Times wrote a story based on completely just like terrible sourcing, no one named 
Oh, but it really was a, a underground right. hub for Hamas, right? right? Secretary Blinken, I believe, when asked about the atrocities committed by Israel in this case, um, talked about a story of, of a family and uh, people losing limbs. Like, I'm not going to get too explicit. Mm-hmm. That turned out to be a lie also. Mm-hmm. They're just repeating lies, um, unfortunately. And I just don't see how anybody with good conscience, morally or ethically, <laughs> has any moral or ethics would actually not stop this. Joe Biden could stop this at any point. There was an article in the Huffington Post recently about how people are increasingly concerned. It's one of those articles that you would sort of see under during the Trump administration that, again, I really believe this. If this was written and Trump was president, mm-hmm. it would have its own news cycle. Mm-hmm. That people are within the White House and other um, agencies are just increasingly concerned about Biden because he's the one effectively making the decisions, they're saying. So they don't trust his Middle East decision making. So that's my takeaway is he's okay with this. Okay. You know, we hear a lot of disagreement with his administration. And I think that, you know, I guess, you know, we'll have to see how this plays out. Maybe he's just supremely overconfident in his reelection, you know, goals. Uh, But there's a lot of pushback on this because of this. And if he can change it or do something to, affected or swayed. I don't know that that's true. I, I'm not an expert in this, so I couldn't tell you. I, I feel like it's kind of difficult to tell the country that's bent on genocide. It's just, you know, can you stop it, you know, or else, or else what? The U.S. has tremendous pressure. I know people always say this, but the U.S. has tremendous pressure over Israel. Um, I believe, it, I believe the number is, we, it vice versa though? We, we subsidize 20% of their defense budget. Mm, okay. The bombs that are being sent I get it. Are U.S. bombs? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they could, they could, and it's been said from Israeli officials that if the U.S. stopped support, they would exceedingly have to drive down, right? What they're doing, like it would not even be on this scale. Maybe we can argue that they wouldn't stop, right? But the scale of it would would slow down. Um, A few things I did want to mention, if we can, just back to the the genocidal hearing. Because I get your point, because I think that's where a lot of people go to. Like, okay, so what's the point of all this, right? Right. And I just keep coming back to the fact that I'm, A, amazed that this even happened. B, I think it's incredible. Like, I actually think it's astonishing, brave, really, considering um, the, the landscape that South Africa brought this case. Yeah. I mean, that not no country was going to do this, but South Africa stepped up to hear these arguments live, to see it laid out in front of a court and all the gruesome details that, again, that we're aware of. But to see it play out in this way, in a legal setting, um, was bone chilling. Um, So I think that's sort of like I don't want to say a victory, given that we're talking about horrific genocide here. Right. Like, I can't believe we're doing this. <laughs> right. This right? is even a discussion. Like, this is insane to me. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, I just think that that in itself, like, if you just want to think about that in a vacuum, is probably a victory that we got to this point. And we'll see what happens. Um, again, I said it's 15 judges, all right. from various countries. I'm not an expert on courts. I can say, and we can all agree, that even with our Supreme Court, there's a level of political 
<laughs> you know, yeah. uh, sure. dealings here. Yeah. So can- will like the, you know, will the Russia president want to vote a certain, I mean, a Russian judge vote a certain way because of their political, what's going on in their politics? Maybe. So again, this is not just like morally, um, like this isn't, these are not like, you know, bleeding heart liberal judges out there. Right. Right. I just, sure. I just want to, I just want to, uh, stay to that. Um, so the president, uh, of the international court of justice, is from the U.S. Former U.S. State Department, uh, longtime uh, personnel, mm. and uh, wait for it. I mean, look, this does this mean something? Does it not? I mean, you would hope that anybody sitting on a bench uh, would take each case impartially and mm-hmm. look at the facts and base it. But so the president has voting power over uh, tie breaking, right? So. Um, That's significant, obviously. This is the same person, Joan Donahue, who it turns out represented the United States before this very court. She was part of the U.S.'s uh, United States team of attorneys before this very court when Nicaragua uh, filed uh, an order condemning the United States for massive violations of international law uh, regarding, um, you know, military infractions into the country, mining the, their, their, uh, their harbor, um, trying to basically depose their government. Um, the whole uh, uh, Iran-Contra scandal was involved in all this. Now, she was on that team, right? right. And what, Def- what, what happened- the United States. What's that? Defending the United Defending States. Defending the United States. And, and right. what they did, what they did was um, they just, at the my understanding of it, at the beginning of it, they just said, you know what? This court doesn't have jurisdiction over this. We're refusing to participate. So she was part of that team. The case went on. The case continued, right? And the United States was found guilty of multiple, multiple, multiple multiple violations of all these different things, um, violations mm. of, of sovereignty, uh, violations of military, uh, in, uh, you know, interventions in internal affairs, blah, 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 like just tons of stuff. Um, and uh, an order of compensation was issued, which uh, to this day, from what I understand, we just ignore. But when I first heard that, I was like, Right. Shouldn't this person, I don't know, recuse themselves or, I mean, you want to talk about a conflict of interest, right? right. I mean, you're, 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 you hold some sway, even without that tie breaking vote power. Not, not to mention if it goes to the UN and the, and the U S could just veto it. It's like, I am the Supreme court. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. And think about to, that they're case. They're able to yeah. knock it down. So no, so, wonder, anyway. uh, no wonder certain presidential uh, candidates just feel that they can, do anything and pardon themselves. And you know what I mean? Like we kind of have that lawlessness. (laughs) It's like, it's amazing. Um, Just to the point that Chris is talking about the U S is very, it's it's sort of separate, but related. Mm -hmm. The U S is very hostile to the Hague. So much so this is not the ICC, the international criminal court. This is the ICJ internal international court of justice. So hostile. In fact, that during the war on terror, the Congress passed a law called the Hague Invasion Act, where the U.S. president can send military personnel to the Hague to, to basically do a prison break of Americans accused or charged 
uh, under international law for these crimes. And they could do that in support of other countries. And thus ties so, to the, to what we were saying about uh, an episode about the ICC. Got right? it. So but there the you go. World, the world court. This whole know, world the, court the, is out of the, order. The body that's supposed to hold nations accountable. Right. Uh, where the United States refuses to sign the room, the room. But don't we, don't we agree to be part of that, you know, and then, and so in other words, if somebody else found somebody else that we didn't like to be guilty of something, we'd be like, yeah, let's go get them. Let's go put in that no fly zone. Let's go bomb them on the, on the, so we're like part of it to say, we'll do the things, but also just, you know, not, not if it's against us. Exactly. And it's like being part of the United Nations and then just saying, well, you know, not us, <laughs> you know, rules for me, not for thee. Right. And it sounds like that's what we're saying we're, we're doing on the international stage. I think that's effectively it, but also, you know, the U.S. obviously hegemony controls everything. So um, uh, there's a song, hegemony rules everything around me. That's it. Cream. Cream. I don't know if you heard um, that. Cream. <laughs> and just so people know, like if this does go to the U.N. and the U.N. and the U.S. vetoes it, people need to remember. Yeah. I don't know if we even mentioned this in the intro of the last episode, but there's a reason why they're calling it meritless because they, the United States can be seen complicit. So they really can't right. comment. Right. And I don't think they can actually uh, at this point, not veto it because again, they, they can't see, they, they can't be seen that they agree with the court because then they are co-conspirators. Well, they would yeah. be. So, so in a, in a, in a way to get out of it, I, I listen. This is such a you know armchair quarterbacking kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Let's say the order passes, and then we have to stop doing what you know supporting as much as we've been doing because now it's on the record, and then we can be well. We thought it was meritless, but okay, if it's you not. say genocide, I guess it's genocide, and we'll now now Israel, you stop it, you 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 bad bad folks. Yeah, and that's the only way that we could as a nation get out of it. To, to your point, to that jeopardy that situation. Um, but we'll see what happens. I guess. Do we know when like this is gonna? be decided so again it's, it's just for i think, I think people get confused. it's just for a provisional order i think the, the case right. itself genocide continues um i think it could happen rather quickly i think that's what the american judge said i don't know so how the provisional quick. order is sort of like a stay right they, words, that, yeah basically we're not, while we figure this out exactly you need to stop doing the need to stop slaughtering and then then it'll be like some time after that when it's, it's determined whether it was actually a genocide or not. Exactly. And and a quick note, just back to the, the hearing again, um, based on something Israel said today, they said that they've sort of, I think they've, this has come out of media reports that they're intending to now slow down like the pace of the bombings or the scale mm. or the, the you know, um, right. which again, you need to try to believe them because weeks and months ago, they've said they've been doing precision targeting, which right. they, they aren't. So yeah, if you, so on, if you take it on, on its face, that is accurate. Um, well, they, were, what, they were very precise. They bombed Gaza. Yeah, they yes, didn't, which, they didn't, they didn't get outside of Gaza. They kept it right. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a huge place. So I mean, they colored within the lines. It's pretty fine. accurate. Um, yeah. uh, South Africa's argument is it doesn't matter. Like you could slow down, do whatever you want. What's done you is still done. committed genocide, but also continue genocide by famine, starving people, humanitarian crisis, you, you just so people the, understand. And also just the most horrific of all the numbers like this shocked say, me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I think the killing numbers just, just terrible and awful. And just like it, like literally I go to bed every night thinking about these poor children. It, like I really do. Like it's, I'm not trying to act yeah, like thousands some sort of like and thousands of morally superior person. Yeah. Like it's really brutal. Um, Four out of five people in the entire world who are now suffering from catastrophic hunger, 
four out of five, 80% live in Gaza. And that's a, a number that takes into account the entire world. That's how bad the starvation and humanitarian crisis, not to mention just like the, the, the diseases that are spreading right. and all that. That just, just think about that for a second when you think about just the extent of the horrors, even when you're not being bombed, right? you're still being a victim of this, this war. Yeah. Um, and um, I know we're sort of running late, but I, we, I think we do, we probably should. Chris, unless you have anything else to say about the hearing, um, get into Yemen a bit. No, go for it. So, uh, Chris or man, I forget who mentioned it, but you know, uh, on Thursday night, the U.S. Um, began attacks on Yemen. Um, I think the U.S. and the U.K. as a mm-hmm. as a joint mission, right? Obviously, we've been seeing for some time uh, Yemenis or the Houthis specifically taking action, like a blockade that they've created in response right. to um, Israel's bombing of Gaza. Um, what I I wanted to talk about this briefly because you just don't hear this in U.S. media and corporate media, unfortunately. Uh, the reason for the Yemeni blockade, and this is not to justify anything, mm-hmm. but they're what they're saying is the reason for their blockade is because they're trying to stop a genocide. Other people have argued this. This is what South Africa is attempting to do. Right. If they get an order to stop a genocide, this is essentially what, Yemen is effectively doing, which puts the U.S. in a weird position, but that's their stated goal. Right. And within that goal, they said, within those parameters, they have said that if there was an end to the hostilities, if there was a ceasefire, they would also stop the blockade. It's important to remember the blockade that they're, they've created was to prevent ships to, from going, I guess, to and from Israel, right? They're not, in theory, targeting every ship that's going through the Red Sea. The U.S. justification, the Biden justification for what is, in theory, an illegal bombing of a sovereign country because they did not declare war or even pass like some AUMF or anything for this um, this on Thursday. Yeah, it hasn't stopped (laughs) us. Was because of slowdown of global shipping. Right, because of like delays to shipping, um, I think is how they, they framed it. They literally are admitting to bombing a sovereign country because of delays to global shipping. Um, yeah, that's what I've heard. You're not, I mean, this is like, you could file this on under like, I'm sorry to curse, but like shit that you can't believe. <laughs> right. Literally on the same day that they bombed Yemen for quote unquote delays to shipping, the white house itself came out and said the U S economy has seen very little impact from Houthi attempts to disrupt commercial shipping in the Red Sea. Right. This is the White House, the same White House that hours later <laughs> bombed Yemen for this. Um, I did hear uh, one of the officials, and again, I, I'm I'm sorry that I'm not quoting who it was or where yeah. I saw it, and so you know, forgive me for that lack of journalistic integrity. Uh, but but the phrasing caught me where it was. Uh, this is a self defense. Uh, they said. Um, we're 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 attacking to prevent an attack, so it's self defense. <laughs> and I'm like, what? No, that means it's an it's an offense. Like that's the definition of offense is to, you attack to prevent an attack. Is like you're attacking first. Right? It's just forty chess. We can't keep up. I can't keep up. I mean, they're, I can't they're get, too I good get for it. us. 
Uh, they're too smart for us. Yeah. yeah so I, I wanted to bring this up before. Like, I don't know if people realize how consequential this is. Like Yemen has said, they're going to continue. Like you could bomb us. Right. The Houthis right. have said, you could bomb us. You could do whatever you want. We're going to continue. <laughs> I shared a video with Chris just uh, earlier today. Thousands upon thousands of people in Yemen taken to the streets. Like they're red. Like they don't care if you want to bring war to them. They they everybody has different reasonings, but one of them is to, uh, to bring an end to what's happening in Palestine. Um, so I just like I have so much more to obviously to say about this. Um, we've been going on for a while, um, but I just wanted to get this out because I know a lot of people in the media don't report it like this. Yeah, and also just be mindful that every time you see a story about the Houthis, you're going to see Iranian-backed Houthi rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to hear about the U.S.-supported Saudi campaign that for seven, eight years, I forget how many decimated the decimated Yemen led to one of the worst humanitarian, worst humanitarian crisis in the world. U S was funding that with their bombs and they supported it. That doesn't even include the drone strikes that were used during the Obama administration in Yemen to right. to, to destabilize it. Right. And just my last point on this, just just, just to note how strange these times have become Saudi Arabia which was the one prosecuting that war against Yemen has come out against the U S strikes in Yemen. We're just living in an insane place now. All right. Well, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate us as a regular person that doesn't always know all of the things, uh, us taking the time to break some of this down. We'll monitor this Yemen situation. I think is if it escalates as it looks like there might be some degree of es- escalation, I would think that, like you said, you'd have to go dig in for some real information. So maybe we'll come back and, you know, break that down a little bit further, um, give a little more context and let people know what they need to know that they might not be hearing, uh, through the, corporate controlled news uh, media that we that's usually in front of us that we get the most access to. So I appreciate us for doing this. I appreciate y'all passion and diligence in keeping uh, abreast of these stories. And um, yeah, I guess that's, that's it. Unless you guys have any closing thoughts or anything else to share. I just, I mean, one last uh, two last quick things is, you know, another thing to Rashad's point, what you also won't hear is that, you know, these very people, uh, who are being slaughtered uh, have been under a 17-year blockade by Israel. Yeah. Right. You also won't hear a lot of times Israel referred to as an occupying force, which they are. Um, or I believe I read a stat that said something that there's so many, the number of UN resolutions against the occupation outnumber I think, I, again, I'm, I might get this wrong, but it's like the, the, the total volume of resolutions passed within like five years or something like that from the whole body. Um, mm. So you won't hear that stuff. Um, and I just want to end on that. You know, it, I think it's very easy, you know, to get desensitized to all this stuff. Uh, when you hear numbers, you know, approaching 30,000, uh, innocent civilians dead, you know, 60,000, injured to Rashad's point, 7,000 still missing, probably under the rubble. You know, these are mothers, these are fathers, these are sons, these are daughters, aunties, uncles, grandparents, children, toddlers, newborns. These are not armed militants. Yeah. Yeah, Facts. Well, we'll see uh, what happens. We'll keep on it. 
Uh, thanks for, again, both of y'all work. And uh, thanks to anyone who's listening, watching. Uh, follow us to make sure that you stay uh, abreast. And, and we'll give you, you know, a little bit of an angle you might not hear somewhere else. Uh, or it might give you, uh, you know, some information that you can then go and seek out other places that are like us. that do kind of get into it a little bit, but they're not, you know, they're hard to find. So we do what we can. Uh, once again, we are on Substack newsbeat.substack.com it's a free newsletter service you'll see all of our episodes our main episodes and bonus content like this uh you can check find us on youtube as well and we are uh at usnewsbeat.com uh from there you can find links to all of the things and uh, follow us get more information about us contact us if you have any thoughts uh and i guess that's it we have a couple of the episodes you know fuller episodes main episodes we're working on nothing to tease right now but we'll be back soon with that again social justice issues uh often mixed with music and uh when we do full episodes with artists that will create uh original uh rap lyrical content to emphasize punctuate and illustrate the points being made by the activists and experts and folks who are facing injustice who will also appear on our episodes this is an award-winning podcast and if you're just finding us now randomly and you listen to this whole thing you might want to check it out so check us out usnewsbeat.com uh, on uh instagram at usnewsbeat on twitter at usnewsbeat and on Twex as US Newsbeat. Uh, and of course, uh, newsbeat.substack.com. It's a really wealth of information uh, that you guys put out in conjunction with the incredible sounding and well produced uh, podcast episodes that we make. Uh, just so much information about these uh, these issues that, again, as you said, Chris, you don't, you don't hear about uh, nearly enough out there in the world. So that's it. I'm Manny Faces. That's Chris. That's Rashad. We're the Newsbeat, and we'll be back uh, to see you, hear you, smell you, taste you very soon. Peace and love.